Hey, this is Graham, and I am so pumped you're joining us today. If you're a part of our Grace community, whether in person or online, we would love to connect with you on social media, at the Grace AG on all social outlets. But the best way to connect is to join our online community at live.graceassembly.org. Here, you can engage and connect with other Grace members all around the world. So, we hope today's message encourages and challenges you. Let's jump right in. How are you all doing? You doing good? That was weak. Are you doing good? That's what I like to hear. Welcome, welcome. We're so glad you're here at Grace. If we have not met, my name is Matthias, one of the pastors on staff at this great church. And today I got a word for you, if that's all right. Now, we are in the middle of this campaign, you could say, that we call 40 Days with Jesus. 40 Days with Jesus. So what do we do? This is what we do. We are talking about the Gospel of John on Sunday mornings. Not just in this room, but the little kids all the way up from birth up through the different ages, the youth group, the young adults. Grace in Espanol right now are preaching from the same chapter that I'm going to preach from. And tonight, guess what? Grace students is also going to be hanging out in the same part of the Bible that we're doing. The point is the whole church is on the same page. That's pretty cool, right? That's exciting. And on top of that, we are doing what we call Bible engagement. We're asking people to engage with the Gospel of John daily, okay? So we are reading through John. Everyone is reading the same thing at the same day. That's pretty exciting too, right? And on top of that, could it get better? Yes, it can. Because here we go from glory to glory. <laughs> Weekly, we have small groups that are discussing what we are preaching on Sunday. So hint, hint, hint. If you're part of a small group, take great notes today. Do you know why? Note takers are world changers. Come on, somebody. Take notes. Get ready for group. Oh, I haven't even started preaching yet, and you're applauding. Oh, I'm going to be on fire today. I feel it. See, I'm the kind of preacher that if you stand up and wave and point, I, I get better. <laughs> um, right. This is moving right along. May 23rd. We're going to bring in this thing for a landing on May 23rd. We call this Celebration Sunday. So we're going to have food trucks. I mean, that in itself is a plus. Okay? Food trucks. We're going to do baptisms, and they're going to take place on this stage. That's pretty amazing. During worship. Yeah, oh, come on. So if you haven't been baptized, like, like hint, this doesn't happen all that often around here. Some of you are like, no, I don't want to be on stage. You're like, Trust me, go public and go bold. Okay? It's going to be great. Go big or go home. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Who in here would say that you have benefited from what we have done on Sundays in your daily Bible reading or in smaller groups? You have enjoyed going through John. It's interesting, isn't it? I love John, by the way. It's my favorite 
gospel. You say, well, what is gospel? So the first four books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we call them the gospels. Gospel means good news. And what's interesting is that Matthew, Mark, and Luke, when you study theology, you refer to them as the synoptic gospels, okay? I know it's a big word. By the way, it should be on your notes too if you take notes. Synoptic gospels. Synoptic means similar. Or if you happen to be educated in the Greek language, uh, this is what it means. Able to be seen together. That's what it means. Able to be seen together. But you could say it means similar. Okay. So let me show you. We'll bring up a little graphic so I can show you and break this down because this will kind of set up uh, kind of what we have done so far and then where we're going, okay? So you have the Gospels, first four book, books of the New Testament. You have Matthew, you have Mark, you have Luke. They are synoptic. They're similar. And John is kind of on his own, okay? So let me, everybody look up here. I'll break it down to where you'll get it. So picture that there was a car accident and for the car accident, there was three witnesses, okay? The three witnesses are all describing one accident, but from three different vantage points. The first person being interviewed by the police says this, there was a vehicle behind me that rear-ended another vehicle. That's all they saw, okay? Second witness says, it was a Toyota Corolla. And the Toyota Corolla hit a white minivan. Okay, now we know a little bit more about that accident. Third witness get interviewed, and the third witness says, there was an accident, and there was this Toyota Corolla driven by a young man. He was between 18 to 25, so a young adult, and he hit this minivan driven by a woman, and in that car, in the van, she also had her family with her. Do you see how three people can describe the same thing and hit it from three different vantage points? It's not three different stories, it's just three different angles to the same story. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke has a lot of information that is very similar or synoptic, okay? John, he might not even talk about the car accident altogether. He hits up on 80% in the Gospel of John is unique to the Gospel of John. So it's super interesting when you read it because sometimes he will give you information that no one else has. Now let me give you a couple of things that's interesting from the Gospel of John to help you understand it better. You with me so far? Say, I'm with you. You should type that online too, I'm with you. So a couple of themes. I put them here, it's kind of small to see, I think. 80% uh, unique. Themes like wind themes like water, and themes like the Holy Spirit pops up in John. So let me give you a, a, a little breakdown of what the Bible says, because we will learn a lot from the John by giving this broad overview, okay? God is always up here, up here, and, and us as humans, we are always down here. So God is up above, and we are kind of below here. We can put it like this, we can call it heavenly versus earthly. And if you take notes, you should write that down. Everybody, let's do this. Take your hands, unless you're writing right now, write really quick, and then everybody do this. Take your hand, hold it up really high. Everybody say heavenly. Lower your hand and bring it down and do this. Say earthly. Help me out. What is this? And what is this? 
Okay, so everything, really in the Bible, but specifically the Gospel of John, happens at those two different levels. Let me show you one verse from the Old Testament, and then every other verse that I'll hit up today will be from John, okay? Only, only time I'm going to deviate from John is this verse. Isaiah 55 says this, and this is God speaking. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord, okay? As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So do you see Old Testament, God is basically saying, hey, I'm up here, and I see things greater. I see things at the vantage point that is different than what you see down here. And here's the beautiful thing about God. God always wants to elevate your perspective to see at a greater point of view, an advantage point that is bigger than what you can see on your own. You with me? So, so here is how that translates in, in the Gospel of John. A couple of things that, A, if you read the Bible daily throughout these 40 days, you have actually read, or you have discussed in your small groups, or Pastor Wayne have talked about the last two weeks. A couple of, couple of heavenly versus earthly. So in the beginning of John, we learn about this guy named Nicodemus. And Jesus tells Nicodemus, hey, you got to be born again. That's, that's up here. Nicodemus, he's down here and he goes, I'm a grown man. How can I fit inside of the womb of my mother because I am too big? Yeah, I know, that's weird. But he's approaching it from what level? Earthly level. Okay, let's, let's go to chapter 4. Last week we talked about the woman at the well, right? Woman at the well, Jesus goes, hey, let's talk about water basically, right? It's a theme, remember now, theme water. So, so and, and water, water to wine, that happened right previously. Water pops up in almost every chapter in John, by the way. So, so here, here, Jesus is talking about water, and, and he's like, if you knew who I am, you would ask me for water. And she's like, hook me up, brother, because I don't want to be walking to this well every day. It's hot and hard. So if I have a drink that just one sip and you're good for life, I want that drink. Well, she's down here, right? But Jesus is like, no, 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 no. I am the living water. Oh, he's talking heavenly. Let me give an example. Later on in that passage, the disciples are coming back from the town. They were told to go and buy some food. Jesus is talking to them and says, I have food that you don't know about. What are they thinking? They're down here now. They're like, who snuck him food? Who in the world brought him food? We've been slaving away and going to town to buy food. Jesus goes, heavenly, my food is to do the will of my father. He's up here. Do you see it? And then you get to chapter 5, there's this guy who wants to get into water and wait for the water to be stirred. But I'm here to tell you that the living water showed up. And he didn't have to get into a physical water because there was a heavenly water. And Jesus goes, I am here and I showed up. Let's get into that water right now. Woo, that's cool. Oh, I can keep on going. Chapter 6. Jesus has his amazing miracle of food. And guess what happens later on in chapter 6? I am the bread of life. All the people are like, hook us up with some of that bread. We want it. And he's like, no, 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 no. So he escalates it. I just love Jesus. He goes up here, he goes, unless you, you, you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you have no part of me. The people are down here. They're like, we're not cannibals. 
That's, that's what they are thinking. So everybody, take your hands again. Hold them up. Say heavenly. Lower them and say earthly. So everything happens at those two levels, okay? You with me so far? Say I'm with you, Pastor. So good. We are now in this chapter where you're going to see these two levels pop like crazy. The high highs of low and the low lows of life. You have a miracle of feeding of 5,000, and later on, the disciples are going to find themselves in the greatest storm of their life. I'm here to tell you one thing. Life sometimes is a roller coaster. We go through the best of moments, and immediately, quickly, sometimes to the worst of seasons. This is why I love Jesus, by the way. He doesn't say, hey, become a Christian. Life is going to be perfect. No, 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 no. He tells you the truth. John 16, says this. Jesus is speaking. I've told you these things. So that in who? In me. You may have what? Peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. See, peace is found in a person. Peace is not found in circumstances. Peace is found in Jesus. Now, this is where we're going to enter into the story that we're going to spend our duration of this message in, John chapter 6. What has just taken place is Jesus feeding 5,000 people. And we're going to pick up in verse 14 and verse 15. And can I tell you something? These two verses rocked my world. Because we all preach from Jesus feeding 5,000. We've heard that message. And we have heard about Jesus in the middle of the storm. Peter walking on water, all that good stuff. But here are two verses in between that tells you so much. And it just gave me whiplash. Are you guys ready? We're going to start, and he was going to escalate it a little bit. Here it comes. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, that's the 5,000 being fed. Basically, kid had a happy meal from McDonald's. Jesus goes, cool, I can use that. That's basically what happened. 5,000 people plus got fed. So they saw that miracle. They said to themselves, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Here comes the verse that just gave me whiplash this week. Are you guys ready? Oh, hold on. Anticipation, like what, what happened? Here's what happened. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force. Mic drop. I'm not going to do that because the media team would kill me. They intended to make him king by force. And Jesus was not okay with that. He was not okay. So, so here's the deal. In the Gospel of John, you have these, these pictures that are very vivid that goes between what Jesus is doing and then what happened in the book of Exodus. You have Moses. This pops up in chapter after chapter after chapter. Notice how often Moses is referred to. Your forefather Moses said this. Moses wrote about me. This happens chapter after chapter. And then here, here's what the people are going through at the time of Jesus. They're looking for a savior. They're oppressed under the, the Roman occupying forces. And they're looking for a deliver, deliverer. Now guess who was a deliverer? Moses was. Moses in the Old Testament, he brought the 
people out of slavery in Egypt, and he brought them up to a body of water. The water split in half, and they walked through. In John chapter 6, Jesus is in one side of the lake. They go through that lake and are now on the other side. In the book of Exodus, Moses now is in a desert. Guess what? Jesus on this side is in a desert as well. Moses now has all of these people and no food. Guess what happens in John chapter 6? Lots of people and no food. Moses he prays, and God answers by manna. You read about this in chapter 6. And quail, and they get fed a miracle of food. And guess what happens in John chapter 6? There's a miracle of food. These things are popping in the minds of everybody there, and they go, we want this guy to be our president. Jesus Christ for office. Jesus Christ for president. Jesus Christ, why? Because they want to repent of their sin? No. Because they, they truly believe he is who he said he was? No. Because they want free food? Yes. Jesus even says so later on in chapter 6. Because they keep not getting the point. Hello. They have a misconception about who Jesus is and they try to fit him into a box and they try to make him something that serves their purpose, not God's purpose. So I have a question for you. Are you ready? Note takers and world changers. Here's my question for you. Do you know who Jesus is? Really? Do you know? Because the people here, they thought he was the deliverer and the savior, just like Moses. And they were like, we want free food forever. Government subsidies for everyone. Guaranteed minimum wage for everyone. And, and, and Biden money for everyone until we bleed dry. Everybody wants that. Mm. Hello. You know what I'm saying. But Jesus is like, I am not good with that. Here's what I want to communicate to you. Jesus is more than a piece of jewelry you hang around your neck. Jesus is, is more than that box that you try to fit him in to, to just be there to answer our sometimes so selfish prayers. Jesus is not like the, the spare tire we keep in the back of our trunk that in case of an emergency that we can go there and bail us out to get from point A to point B. He wants to be in the driver's seat of your life. But so often, just like the people in this passage, we chase the miracle we chase the blessing. We chase the gift, but not the giver. We see the benefits and we go, I like that. But where does repentance fall in? Where does dying to yourself fall in? Listen, when you try to box him in and making something he's not, he is not okay with it. In this passage, he knew they tried to make him king by force. And his reaction, I'm pulling away from that one. Not okay with that. No. So do you know who Jesus is? See, the woman at the well that pastor talked about last week, she didn't know. 
She thought worshiping God was something geographical. No, I'm here to tell you it's transformational. It's transformational. When Jesus comes into your life, you change. You go from an earthly perspective to a heavenly perspective. Why? God's ways are higher than your ways. God's thoughts are higher than your thoughts. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. See, God wants to elevate you. God wants to have you think and dream bigger than what you can do on your own. Can somebody say amen? Now, we're going to keep on reading now, and we're now in verse 16 of chapter 6. This is what's happening, okay? Jesus pulls away. He withdraws. He goes up on a mountain, and this is where we come back into the story. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. That's a city. I love this now. By now it was, somebody say this out loud. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. Here's what I want you to understand. Are you guys ready? It's dark without Jesus. It is. They were without Jesus and it was dark. By a show of hands, do you remember before you were saved? And do you remember the darkness you walked in and lived in? If so, wave to me. Be real. you remember what that was like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. No hope. No purpose. Doesn't mean you couldn't go from day one to day two to day three, but you were there alone and you were in darkness. That's what I'm talking about. Can I be extremely real? I can't imagine going through life without Jesus. I mean, I just can't imagine going through even the good times, but my goodness, how about the bad? When life is like a roller coaster. And, and we get up and we see everything so beautiful on that first really tall peak. And then it just goes. And you're like, I want to throw up. <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. You know what I'm saying? You're like, is this ride done? Have you ever felt that way? Just like in chapter 6, they go from this massive miracle to very soon in complete darkness without Jesus. See, Jesus says this about himself, and it's so beautiful in John chapter 8. It says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Isn't it so beautiful to know that even though we live in a broken, and, and we live in this world that is rough, right? Sometimes super hard to navigate, we don't understand why things happen. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do I have to go through stuff like, have you ever said some of these things? When is this going to end? I think that's exactly where the disciples were, and they were in darkness without Jesus. Just a few weeks ago, about 10 days ago, my family and I found ourselves in one of these moments of just very dark and scary and hard place. It was early Friday morning. I just remember Danielle shaking me as I was in bed. And you know how it is when somebody roughly just wakes you up and it's like, what's going on? And it's not normal. And you're like trying to get your bearings. And all I hear is she's saying there's been a shooting at FedEx. See, our son John, he's 20, he works night shift 
at FedEx at the airport. That's what he does. And she's saying there's been a shooting. There's multiple people dead. And I'm like, how's John? She goes, we can't get a hold of him. Now, that's not a good place for a parent. I mean, your mind, can I be real? It goes places you don't want it to go. And we're trying to figure out what's going on, and she's extremely emotional. I'm extremely emotional. We turn on the TV. We try to figure out what's happening. We, we find out that something had happened hours ago, like around midnight or right before midnight, and this is like five-ish in the morning. So there's been quite a few hours in between, and she's like so-and-so and so-and-so in church have been trying to get a hold of us, but they've been trying to get a hold of John. They've been texting him and FaceTiming him and calling him, and, and there's no answer, and this has been going on for hours. So we tried to call him, we tried to FaceTime him, we tried to text him, no answer. Now, I know that when they work at FedEx, they're not allowed to have their phones. They, I know this. But you think, logically, if something has happened, after a few hours, people would get a chance to just let their loved ones know that they're okay. So we, we were like freaking out, what, what are we going to do? TV on. they're saying there's been eight or nine casualties, and they're showing on a map like right here at the airport, and obviously there are lots of buildings, and we didn't know, but they're saying FedEx at the airport, that's all the news said, every news channel. So this news broke in Sweden, I'm born and raised in Sweden, the news broke all over Europe as well, and my, my mother, John's grandma, and my brother, his uncle, for five hours kept trying to call, FaceTime, text before they got a hold of us and we finally woke up and they have no answer and we're trying to get our bearings together what do we do what do we do do we send the girls to school do we do we wake them up do we tell them what are we going to do how are we going to deal with we made a decision we're not going to send them to school we're going to just pull together as a family pray as a i remember i was just walking around i was saying jesus 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 i couldn't pray i said jesus Je jesus that was my prayer jesus Jesus. And I saw in the news that FedEx had put up this reunification center. I even tried, I haven't told this to Danielle, I tried to call the supervisor's number at FedEx. That phone just rang. Your places go really dark places. Have you ever seen a movie from like a school shooting or something? And you see backpacks spread out everywhere and phones just ringing? That's where my mind was. And we start to drive towards this hotel where FedEx set up what they call a reunification center. As we're driving there, I get another text from Jameson Carrier. Jameson's, I think it's his nephew, Jaron. Jaron plays on our worship team, electric guitar. Jameson often stands right up there. He's texting us, and he goes, are the boys okay? And I go, I don't know. We're driving there. He goes, me and Kathy are driving there as well. We come to this hotel. There's media everywhere. The national media, every news station, all the local news stations, reporters everywhere. We get in. The girls are freaking out, as you can imagine. We're freaking out. We're going to find out, is he okay or not? This, picture this big conference room setting, long line of people finally get up, and there's a lady by a computer. She has access to the entire employee database. You get first, middle, last. This is in a few seconds. You're going to find out if your kid is alive. I mean, I remember feeling like my legs are like lead. Finally, she pulls up everything. She goes, he's working at a non-affected facility. She looks at me and she looks to Danielle. She goes, I'm going to quote what she said. She said, he's fine. He's still making money. I was so ticked off. 
Can I stand up here and say I'm a pastor, but we have emotions too? Can, can I be real? Anger? I was like, stupid lady. Well, I just want to talk to my son. I don't care if he's making 19 bucks an hour right now. I want to talk to him. And I couldn't. So, see, here's the deal. I can't, though, imagine going through something like that without Jesus. And right now, there are families all around Indianapolis that have to do funerals. Do you know what? I'm praying for them daily. It's not just something I put up on Facebook, praying for you. I'm praying daily for grandparents, aunts, uncles, sisters, brothers, who have to deal with the reality that the loved one will never, ever come back. That's real life, isn't it? But here's, let me backtrack in the story, because I learned something powerful through this story. Our family pulled together. We kind of prayed. I remember you saying, Jesus, Jesus. We're in the car. Everybody's freaking out. Danielle calls her sister. Her sister lives in Ohio. And, and her sister was just praying up a storm. She had her on speakerphone. I mean, there's tears going on. There's emotions going on. And her sister's just praying up a storm. We start to get texts from people. We're praying for you, Pastor. How's John? I don't know. We're, we're praying right now. We, we show up. We find out all this stuff, right? And, and here's the deal. Once we find out... Can I just be very real with you? Are you okay with that? Okay, let me go be more real. The moment when we found out that John was fine, I knew obviously Jaron was fine as well because John is actually supervising him. So if, if my son is okay, he's okay. The moment afterwards inside of the room where people find out if their loved ones are dead or alive, what's going on, here comes a reporter with a microphone up in my face, and she goes, I'm with the New York Times. Do you want to give an interview? Do you know what I said? Get away from me, woman. That's what I said. And Danielle looks at me afterwards. She goes, that was not really pastoral, and you was kind of rude. I go, I was about to punch her in the face. Like, I don't want no liberal media running around in here. People are literally finding out life or death, and what do you think you're doing, lady? I'm sorry, it was not my most beautiful moment in life, not my most pastoral moment, but it's going to tell you what happened. We walk outside. I call Jameson and Kathy, and I say, listen, he is fine. I'm going to meet you right outside the hotel. Danielle and the girls are in the car. I meet up with Jameson and Kathy. We give each other big hugs. There's tears. There's emotion. I remember looking at Jameson. I said, hey, I know they're good, but I'm going to walk you in and go through the process just to quadruple check everything because we're, I'm here for you. Here is what I want to tell you. Listen carefully right now. Here is what I believe, and I believe it strongly. We are better together. We are better together. I got a text a few moments right after that. One of my small group members, he is in leadership at FedEx. He's pretty high up. He shoots me a text and goes, Pastor, what do you know? What do you need? Can I help you out? Can I, can I research stuff? And I go, no, we're good. I just found out they are fine. I had small group members reach out. I had pastors reach out. Pastor Wayne reached out. Finally, John got off his shift. Pastor Wayne calls my son just to double check on him. Listen, we are better together. We're better going through life's highs and lows together. This is why small groups matter so much. Because I can't imagine going through that stuff without Jesus. But I also can't imagine going through that stuff without friends and family. 
And I've had people as, as late as just a day or two ago, a pastor from Georgia that I know called me and said, hey, I know your phone has been blowing up, but me, my wife, and my kids, we've been praying for you. How's John doing? Do you know what? That matters as a dad, not a pastor. Forget about the pastor and the platform and all that stuff. It's as a human being that somebody says, I'm with you in this. I might not get it, but I'm here for you. And that matters tremendously. Now listen to what's happening in the story. I'm going to bring this in for a landing. This is powerful stuff. Verse 18 in chapter 6. Strong wind was blowing. The waters grew rough. And when they rode about three or four, notice this, three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat. Powerful. He was walking on water. No, nothing is impossible. And they were frightened. Well, obviously it's dark and you get some dude walking on water. So I love the Bible. It's real. But he said to them, it is I. Don't be afraid. And then they were willing to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. Here is what I feel like I'm here to tell you today. Okay? Storms are normal. Life is like a roller coaster. That's, it's okay to be afraid in the middle of the storm. Was I panicked? Yeah. Freaking out? Yeah. Going through every emotion God has given me times 10? Yeah. Were Danielle and the kids freaking out? Yeah. But I had Jesus. And I knew even if the worst would happen, he promised he would never leave me, nor forsake me. And I knew there was an entire church by my side, an entire pastoral team, my entire small group that meets at my house. People globally reaching out. Better together. If you're in a storm today, and you're sitting here or watching online, I'm here to tell you one thing. Notice this about Jesus. It's in the middle of the night. He's on a mountain four miles away. He sees through the darkness four miles. That's pretty spectacular, okay? Number two, he pinpoints exactly where they are and he shows up exactly when they need it and how they need it. I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter where you've been, what you have done. He knows what you are going through and he's walking up to you right now and you are not alone. You're not. He is willing to go through anything for you because he loves you. He's willing to go through whatever whatever circumstance whatever situation whatever issue he's willing to approach through that because he wants you to know that he can be in the boat with you here is the big idea of the entire message today the big idea you need to invite Jesus into your boat when you are in a storm If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it and share it online or jump on the website at graceassembly.org and click the giving link so that we can continue to spread the message of Jesus all around the world. Have a blessed day and we'll see you next week.